0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck, The Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton, a good friend of ours and uh, a guy who served as a CIA officer in the Counterterrorism Center, the Office of Iraq Analysis. Uh, tours of duty as an intelligence officer in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, he also has uh, briefed uh, senior U.S. officials, including the President of the United States, and uh, also served as New York Police Department Intelligence Division, working on counterterrorism uh, issues. We welcome Buck Sexton, uh, who is way overqualified to be on this program. How are you, Buck?
1: Glenn, great to be with you. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. Uh, so, uh, But I, I forgot to add one thing. Also now heard on over 100 stations across the country in the Buck Sexton's show. And uh, you can hear him on the Blaze Radio Network as well. And we're thrilled to have you. Um, So let's just kind of just tick down a couple of things that have have broken. And it broke during the show. So I wasn't able to really wrap my arms around all of this. Rex Tillerson is leaving. And it's kind of a crucial thing. Uh, At this time, we have two things happening. Possible meeting in North Korea with the president. Uh, also, uh, Theresa May said yesterday, giving Russia 36 hours uh, to explain this this use of a nerve agent that has taken down 21 people in the UK. Uh, and if you don't have a good explanation, we're going to look at this as unlawful action against the UK. Tell me wow. what, tell me, first of all, what it means to lose uh, Rex Tillerson.
1: I think that part of what the official explanation has been so far is is true. And I think that part of it is just personal. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll start with the part of it that has to do with policy, because I think that's what people... That's all I care almost, about. Yeah, yeah, that's what people actually care about. Yeah. right? Uh, and, and, and we can dispense with the other one pretty quickly. But first off, on North Korea... You need to make sure that you've got somebody who is on board with the vision that the president has here for this negotiation, which is a huge risk, Glenn. And there's no question that sitting down with Kim Jong-un could have negative diplomatic ramifications. But I would just say that up to this point, we've had multiple administrations try to stop the north korean nuclear missile program and they've all failed mm-hmm. uh, they haven't even really done much to to pause it for any meaningful length of time mm-hmm. so something different has to be done and and a disruption to the continuum of north korean negotiation and failure has to occur and so trump is you, whether you think it's a hail mary or you think this is a strategic brilliance or whatever it may be he needs somebody who's on board i don't think he believed that tillerson fit into that category right. uh, on rush on russia glenn i know people are pointing this out because the timing given that you just had what was almost certainly uh, russian poisoning russian agents poisoning a former russian intelligence officer and his daughter and teresa may has come out as you pointed out and this is a, a major diplomatic and international kerfuffle but Pompeo is no slouch on calling out Russia either. So I think that is less of a factor than it may seem at first. Pompeo was on the Sunday shows actually just 48 hours ago, really taking taken it to Russia. So I, I don't think that is what happened here. Yeah. And then just real quickly, Glenn, because folks know about this, but yeah, on a personal level, I think it really bothers Trump that he heard that Tillerson, his secretary of state, called him a, a moron. And mm-hmm. and I think with Trump and in Trump's world that matters a whole lot. Oh, I think it does to take too. think of that what they what they may.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody wants you know an underling calling you if you're in charge uh, in the in the public uh, a, a moron. I think that's. I, I think that was foolish of Tillerson, uh, and uh, and and not helpful at all.
1: Uh, I but- always think. Go ahead, Glenn. Uh, Bucky. This is Stu. Hi, how are you? I hope you're doing Thanks, well. Thanks, Good to hear from you. You mentioned this briefly, and I, and I wanted to see if is it fair to say that Pompeo is one of the harshest people on Russia in the administration. It's an interesting choice. Yeah, I think it is fair to say that, and that's that's,
0: that's been, a good thing.
1: Yeah, that's been clear for a long time. Like Mike Pompeo is is first and foremost a patriot. I can tell you the people that I know from inside and outside of government, uh, say he's the real deal and he really cares about what's going on and he cares about the country first and foremost. He's not a Trumpist or a Trumper or a bot or any of that stuff. He takes his job uh, with deadly seriousness, which he should, because of what he's been dealing with as CIA director and will be dealing with, particularly going into these North Korea nuclear negotiations as Secretary of State. So, yes, dude, there's no question that if you were trying to do this for some reason to uh, appease Russia, Pompeo would be th- the worst choice that you could come up with from within the administration. And despite what everyone says, there are a lot of people who want these jobs. So it's not yeah. like he has to pick the nearest the nearest name that he knows. Uh, the Pompeo choice, I think, is a strong one. Trump gets along with them, and they're aligned on policy, and that really matters. And, and we all want them to be aligned on North Korea. This is one where partisanship should really go by the wayside, because, Stu, if they don't figure this thing out, I really worry that the only two options become learning to live with a North Korea with nukes uh, that can hit America and more and more nukes that can hit America over time or a military strike, which is honestly pretty terrifying.
0: So that is the that was the main concern from Tillerson is you've got to expend every other option before you go to a sit down with the president of the United States. However, I think we've pretty much done that over the years. I mean, I don't, I, I'm willing to do this, but people have to understand that once that meeting is over, if nothing is solved, we either live with it or we go to war.
1: I don't see a third option, Glenn. Yeah. And I think that that's why at this point, it, it, it's also tough to look at what's being said. And you feel this whiplash because originally it was Trump is the warmonger. His tweets are going to force a nuclear exchange with North Korea. This is terrible. And now it's, whoa, what's with Trump doing all this crazy diplomacy all of a sudden? Right, so
0: right. Shi- yeah.
1: You know, the shift has happened really quickly. And yeah. I think yeah, <laughs> it does seem to happen quickly. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Buck, it, it, you mentioned this too, because a, a, a lot of people, I think, look at this and say, hey, look, we've had this multi-decade issue with North Korea. Why not go and just talk to the guy and see what happens? Um. What is the negative of that? Where what happens if this doesn't go right? Well, I, I think that the negatives are honestly a little overstated. I mean, people keep saying, and I've seen the the most common criticism level against this, other than by people who just are have a form of Trump derangement syndrome, and they think that you know Kim Jong Un was part of the conspiracy with Russia or something. I mean, you know, there's <laughs> there's crazy stuff, but from the realistic objection side, they're saying that this confers a degree of legitimacy. On a regime that deserves nothing of the sort, and I completely agree with that. However, uh, you've got a, a couple of differences here. We don't really have time on our side, you know, because of the failures of the previous, which have really been pretty consistent policies by uh, different administrations leading up to this. But only a few have only a few presidents have had to deal with the possibility of a nuclear North Korea, and that is failure so far. I mean, the, the outreach and the diplomatic efforts have failed. So that Trump would shift from a failed strategy doesn't really surprise me. And sitting down with Kim Jong-un and giving him more legitimacy. Well, what's he going to do then? Fire more missiles and advance his nuke program? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> He's already doing that. Yeah, I
0: think giving him uh, credibility or, or, or um, uh, you know, a world stage. No, the nukes did that. The nukes did that. We're only meeting with him because he has nuclear tipped missiles. That's what gave him credibility to be on the world stage, unfortunately. Um, Let me just ask you real quick. The president said today he's going to be uh, he's flying out to California to look at the uh, the wall. And he said, Theresa May is going to be calling me this afternoon. What are the options on the table uh, as you as you see it? Is there her language um, yesterday? I don't know if you saw it, but her language was was very legalistic uh, in ways and almost sounded like a setup for Article 5. Do, do you, do you, what do you think the options are?
1: You mean the response that the British Prime Minister is going to have to the poisoning of two, uh, two people, two yes. civilians on, on British soil? Uh, Glenn, I, I think that there'll no, be a 20, pretty strong... No,
0: 21, 21 civilians. I mean, there are people in the hospital that are still in critical condition.
1: Right. Well, it's intentionally trying to get two, and then the yeah. other one. Yeah, I correct. Think this is. I I think that it's uh, going to be very rhetorically strong. But look, we we, we have limited options beyond economic and diplomatic, uh, diplomatic versions of, of going after the Russians. At this point, we already have sanctions in place. You could see the expulsion of diplomats. I think, Glenn, that's the most likely scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which is from from the diplomats' world. That's a uh, you know that's when everyone gets a bit huffy and and upset. I mean that's a big deal, uh, but really thinking thinking through it beyond that, I, I don't see a, a response that will be much more robust. Do you? And I think the Russians knew that, and that's why the Russians. I mean, Glenn, what they did was was reckless and open. It's not the first time they've done this. I know. So
0: I know, I know. And it was a it was a chemical agent. Uh, you know, it was a it, you know it's a weapon of mass destruction. This is what the red line was over in Syria, uh, and they brought it into the country, and they brought one that. Only is made in the former Soviet Union. So everybody knew exactly who did it. I, I'm just wondering if if she's going to be looking for, you know, a, a unified NATO response that could go just beyond them uh, kicking people out, but asking us to kick people out or, or take some additional economic sanctions.
1: Well, I don't think the Europeans, and there's a whole other complicated discussion of why, including how Germany gets very cold in winter and needs a lot of natural gas, which happens to come yeah. to it from Russia. Uh, I don't think that there's going to be a response that's as unified as we'd like it to be on this one. You mentioned the nerve agent, it's, and they think it's Novichok. So this is very clearly, and this is the equivalent of leaving you know, WMD fingerprints, in a sense, on an assassination attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's it is terrible and it's uh, showing how brazen the russians are willing to be But, Klein, you you look at the toolbox that we have and what we've done in the past. We've already put sanctions on Russia to get them to stop what they're doing in Ukraine. We've already tried the diplomatic and economic approach. And the truth is, we don't really have a will or a desire for a a military approach of any kind. And the Russians know that. And that's why they'll have agents smear Novichok, which is more deadly than VX gas, people say, Mm. on some person in a park in
0: so let me ask you one last question: As a former CIA agent, how dead is the Russian agent that I think screwed this up? I don't think it was the intent to, you know, put twenty-one other people in the <laughs> hospital. How is that guy? Is that guy, you know, hiding someplace uh, and not long for the world?
1: Well, the the message was from Putin that if you betray us, we're going to get you. And I think that message is actually received, Glenn. You know, there's, <laughs> there's a long yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. There's a long history of the Russians doing this. In fact, stretching all the way back to a, you know, rice and tipped assassination mm-hmm. with an umbrella. And I mean, this that was back in the KGB era. This is not new. The Russians want everyone to know that there's an extraterritorial score settling. I mean, this is a global Russia operates as a mafia state. And it does so even outside of its own borders. So the message is sent and received, I think, from folks who might either be uh, defectors, speak out against the Russian regime, uh, betray Putin and the Kremlin. And I think that the sloppier and the more terrifying the chemical, the the better the message is from their perspective. So the fact that you're mentioning these additional casualties, that just shows what the Russians are willing to do to send a message. And I don't think they have much in the way of regrets, Glenn, at least not at the Kremlin
0: at the top reaches. Buck, thank you. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.